Good day, everyone, and welcome to Talk with Tom. I am your host, Aaron Wilker, and this episode of Talk with Tom, Tom will enlighten us about the practice of mindfulness and talk to us about the five reasons to practice mindfulness, and he'll answer the following questions. Why has the simple practice of mindfulness and mindfulness meditation become so popular? And why is mindfulness taking a stronghold in healthcare, academia, and business as well? Tom will also clue us into how mindfulness improves decision-making and why Richard Branson recommends entrepreneurs practice mindfulness. Before we get started, though, uh, with Tom, I would like to mention that the sponsor of this episode of Talk with Tom is Tom's newly released seven-day meditation audio series, which can be found at Tom's website, successseriesllc.com slash meditation.php. And this is a seven, the series is a seven-day audio meditation personally guided by Tom Hart. And each day you will experience a 10-minute guided meditation easily downloadable from Tom's website at successseriesllc.com slash meditation.php. The seven-day audio series will also be downloaded from this Talk with Tom podcast found in the iTunes Store, Google Play, or Stitcher. And here's the best part of it all. It is free! That's right. Tom is offering the meditation series a $497 value free to his audience. So after this podcast, go to Tom's website, successseriesllc.com slash meditation.php and get started with your own meditation practice today. Now, it is a great privilege for me to introduce my coach, my mentor, my friend, Tom Hart. So good day, Tom. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Aaron. How are you? I am excellent, Tom. Always good. Things it's it's a wonderful month and keep moving forward. So things are great. Very good. Um yeah, yeah, it's it is. So Tom, I know that you wanted to talk about or you want to talk about mindfulness in this episode of Talk with Tom. And before I allow you to get into it, can you just explain to us a little bit what mindfulness is, and then let's get into the benefits of uh, what one may receive when they practice mindfulness. Absolutely. In fact, I have so looked forward to recording this with you because you were the one that started me on meditation. And it was back in the day, and I can't even remember how long ago it was now. You, I mean, it's got to be maybe 10 years ago because you were practicing it as a daily routine, and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't have time for that. I mean, it was like so the stereotypical, you know, straight-arm Heisman to you to say, mindfulness, meditation, I don't know. But then finally I got with the program, right? <laughs> and I have so received its benefits. Um, what mindfulness – and thank you for that, by the way. So <laughs> – um, you started it. In fact, uh, for the listeners, you wrote, I think you did a guest blog on meditation 
God, what's it been? A couple of years ago now. But there's a there's a blog that can be found on my website. If you just use this, put in meditation or something of that sort, and up will come that blog that you wrote. Do you recall that? Oh, it was several years ago. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, very very good. Well, mindfulness and mindfulness meditation is a form of meditation. There are many different forms and people have heard some of the more popular ones like transcendental or mantra and, and mindfulness uh, as a practice is as simply as just living in the moment. So if you take a step back from your everyday life and by a step back, I don't mean anything more than just sometimes maybe close your eyes, take a deep breath and kind of look at the moment of that present moment. Uh, that's practicing mindfulness. It began as a Buddhist tradition, and in fact, psychologists now use it as a form of cognitive therapy. But it's a, um, it's basically a way, a technique, a, a individual can kind of alter one's physical state in the midst of a chaotic or busyness of the day and literally go into themselves and kind of shut out the world. Uh, it can be as easy as just breathing or, you know, focusing on your breathing. Or it could be a formal kind of seated meditation technique uh, that we'll talk about more here. And, in fact, one that I now, into my daily routine, my morning routine. And, uh, you know, I'll do it right along with the other things that I typically do in the morning. And um, it just centers me as the bottom line. And, of course, at those moments of centeredness and groundedness, you have this opportunity for true self to show up and answer solutions and give it to you. So uh, that's the short answer of what mindfulness is. It's, uh, it's kind of this form of, of uh, being in the moment. Okay, excellent. So then if somebody practices mindfulness, what can they expect beneficially from doing this? Well, for one thing, science has found that your brain responds. So some of the benefits that are on the outward side of what I just described, where you just kind of get more centered and more grounded and more peaceful, really, uh, is because the, all the mental stimulators that are uh, happening around you um, tend to slow down and it provides this better grasp on life's stressors. Uh, some of the other mental benefits to it uh, that have been found through studies of mindfulness are that it fights memory, it regulates emotions, it includes uh, fighting depression and anxiety and PTSD. Uh, for students, it actually improves their academic performance. So these are all cognitive uh, benefits, mental benefits that come from just the practice of it. And it doesn't have to be a daily routine, by the way. Um, you know, we've described it as that. You do it daily. I do it probably four times a week um, as part of my morning routine. And um, uh, if I don't do it at that time, I tend to get right into my day. Although I must say, you can practice it in the moment. 
So if you're in line at the grocery store, you know, you can kind of close your eyes and take in the breathing of it and shut out the world. I wouldn't advise that while we're driving, but you get the idea. (laughs) (laughs) Now, your physical benefits, um, it's been proven through studies, and um, I wrote a blog on it, uh, and I'll link to some of these studies in the blog, Uh, but it improves sleep, it aids in weight loss, it actually lessens cold and flu effects. So these are some things that are obviously very health-oriented benefits. Um, it's also been found to reduce heart disease and rheumatoid arthritis and fight chronic pain, which, again, there you have you know, some pretty serious conditions that your body, your mind in this case, because it tends to be more of an inner self-mind exercise, uh, can influence, and psychosomatically as well as... Uh, uh, mentally and physically, you have these influences that can now take place. And there's, you know, what's out of depth, so benefits right there, let alone how it would help one kind of become um, kind of a better person, really, because you end up not having to be at effect of the world, but more intentional to the world and to your world. Uh-huh. Excellent. Um I, I do want to add in for people that, you know, when you say standing in the grocery line or whatever, um, generally for me, right, it is part of my morning routine. You know, I get up early in the morning, I exercise, I read, and then I meditate. Um, there are mornings where I have to go into San Francisco, and some people know I live 50 miles east of San Francisco, so when I go into San Francisco, I ride the rapid transit system, and it's about a 45-minute ride into the city. So for me to make everything on time, the days that I'm in San Francisco, I do not um, meditate at home. It is not part of my routine, but when I'm on the rapid transit packed into this train car, you know, like cattle, it is a really good time for me to meditate at that time. And it makes the trip go quickly. Um, and I'm get off the train. I'm focused, ready to start my day. So like you say, it could be done almost anywhere as long as you're not driving your own vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. In fact, I have many friends that are in Chicago, New York, San Francisco, where there's part and other, you know, mass transit or they take the subway into the city. And um, during their quote unquote morning commute, you know, while we in LA are on the freeway driving, um, they're, they're on the train and subway and going into the city and they can practice these things that are that morning routine uh, of reading or of meditation or of visualization, those kinds of of activities because you're just sitting there on the train and, and it's, it's a time saver for that reason. You know, in fact, it might be helpful. Let me give you an acronym. Um, listeners keep hearing us say morning routine and, and we'll do a talk with Tom uh, podcast about that subject. Uh, but I've got an acronym that helps me remember what my morning routine entails at minimum. And it's the acronym SAVERS. S-A-B-E-R-S, SAVERS, and the S stands for silence, and in, the, in that silence, 
that's when you would do meditation or prayer. And I start with that. And for me, it's 10 minutes. You know, it's not, it's not an hour-long practice. It's just a short centering that I do first thing in the morning as my morning routine. The A is for affirmations. The V is for visualization. So affirmations, of course, is telling yourself encouraging words to goal achievement and overcoming limiting beliefs and things of that nature. Visualization is putting yourself in that moment of imagining that goal achieved and what does it feel like to be on that, in that beach house, on the water, feeling the breeze, hearing the sounds, etc. That's the S-A-V. The E is exercise. Always great to do, even if it's just make, taking a walk around the block, but just something that gets you moving, gets the blood and the oxygen flowing to the brain. The R is reading, and that's a stimulant to me. I get ideas. I, whether I'm reading fiction or nonfiction, I'm, I'm stimulating my brain. I'm getting positive thoughts and ideas to, uh, to happen. And then the S is a bit of a force to get to the word savers, but it's scribing, <laughs> and that stands for journaling, writing in a journal, processing your thoughts, reflecting on what you've achieved, you know, this kind of a thing. Now, I'm not taking credit for that acronym SAVERS. That's a Hal Elrod uh, acronym and morning routine. Uh, mine also includes green drink and some other activities that, that make my power hour what it is. But like I said, let's do a future episode on that. But I, I think if the listeners just take away this SAVERS acronym, silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing, uh, they'll go a long way to starting a, a, a morning routine. Um, obviously, meditation being the first one, the S for silence. All right. Well, let me give you the five reasons to practice mindfulness. So they're short, they're sweet, and then we can dig into some of those other questions. But um, they're... The five reasons for practicalness is number one is that mindfulness is free. And it's kind of a place not only free as in without cost, but it's freeing. <laughs> you know, it frees us. It puts us into that true self. We can get our creative juices flowing. We can think outside. It kind of detaches us from our everyday. So number one, mindfulness is free. Second reason to practice mindfulness is that mindfulness is simple. Like I described, you can practice it anywhere. There's no special equipment. If you're breathing, you're able to practice it. You know, it's just as simple as maybe just breathing in and breathing out and counting or being present in the moment of the breath. There's one uh meditation that I practice that's just that where I'm breathing in and I'm just thinking breathing in and then I'm breathing out and I'm just thinking breathing out. It kind of stops your monkey mind from talking and chattering because you're saying something so there's not room to have something else show up. So mindfulness is free and mindfulness is simple. Mindfulness is also very flexible. Flexible that is that you can practice it alone or with a group. Uh, it makes us more flexible as individuals. We start to observe things that are maybe outside the box, outside of our norm. 
And those observations might lead to solutions or ideas that would be, you know, million-dollar idea, for instance. So that present moment space allows them clear that noise. So mindfulness is flexible. Number four, mindfulness is organic. Obviously, uh, it's the most basic of living practices to breathe. And mindfulness is centered on the breath, on the breathing in and breathing out. Lastly, the fifth reason for practicing mindfulness is that mindfulness is relaxing. We're usually so focused on more of the doingness, the beingness, that we miss being human beings and more act like human doers. And obviously it's in the beingness that life really shows up. And you've heard me advocate intentional living and goal setting and striving for those things that you want and not just being at effect of life, but as, as a influences life. So my, mindfulness helps us relax in the moment and kind of restore us uh, back to that true self and that centeredness that I spoke of. So those are the five reasons to practice mindfulness. It's free, it's simple, it's flexible, it's organic, and it's relaxing. I want to continue my conversation with Tom Hart about practicing mindfulness. But before we do, I am curious how everyone has done setting at least one significant goal to accomplish this year and how they are progressing towards achieving that goal. Remember that Tom shows you how to do this in only a week in his free guidebook, Seven Day Goal Setting Challenge, a guide to help you set your goals, create a plan of action, and begin achieving them in only seven days. And this valuable resource can be downloaded for free at successseriesllc.com slash wordpress slash seven day challenge. And that is with the number seven. And that is from a discussion that I had with Tom in his last podcast. But today, Tom and I are talking about mindfulness and how to practice it. And we've already heard Tom talk about the origin of mindfulness, living in the moment, becoming centered and grounded, you become less stressed, and then the health benefits of mindfulness. And so now, Tom, I'm kind of curious how mindfulness helps improve our decision-making and is it really true that mindfulness is something that the owner of Virgin Airways, Richard Branson, encourages all entrepreneurs to practice? Well, yes. And in fact, let me jump to that first, uh, Aaron. Uh, Richard Branson is the chairman of Virgin Group. It's a group of over 700 companies, of which Virgin Airlines is one. And if you remember, Virgin Records is what started it. Um, and, and talk about innovation. The reason that he even started Virgin Airways is because he was stranded in an airport along with many others because there weren't enough planes to their destination because of an earlier uh, weather thing that kind of stopped all those flights. And then now it was time to kind of bring those flights back into service and there were more people than there were seats. So he saw this problem, uh, went over to a, charter counter, chartered a plane to their destination, hand wrote a sign saying airplane to wherever it was, and took people's tickets 
to take this charter plane to their destination because they were going to have to wait another 12 hours or something like that. And so he saw a problem, he thought of a solution, and he put into action those very things that then became Virgin Airways. Now, the reason that he recommends mindfulness is because he wrote in a recent blog that technology is both a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is we're always plugged in. We're always connected to the group. There's ways because of our smartphones where it gives people the opportunity to meet others while remaining in touch with the office. Soon enough, it became clear that technology was encroaching on the rest of their lives by way of being on, constantly available. So what Branson said was if we keep on this track of – always connected to work life, you're not going to have a private life, and therefore you're going to burn out on your work life. So he instigated a policy within Virgin Group, which has over 60,000 employees, to have unlimited holiday time, is how he puts it. But, you know, he's from Great Britain, and so holiday in, in, in England is vacation, what we call vacation here. And so unlimited vacation time and flexible working options became the norm at Virgin because he wanted people to take a step back from being constantly connected to their work life, unplug, and recharge, if you will. And that's where mindfulness comes in. He says that mindfulness is just as important as any major technological upgrade, and he recommends being unplugged in order to get in touch with your inner self so you can therefore be more creative on the job. Uh, by the way, just as a side note, what he also found out was people wouldn't take off all that much time. You know, um, there's this innate ambition within us to perform, and you would think, gosh, if you had, you know, unlimited vacation time, because mo most companies in the U.S. have maybe two weeks, sometimes three weeks of vacation out of the year. And you have to invest it and accumulate it. And, and when you have paid days off, uh, it, it depends on how many days you accrue per how many months that you've worked. And eventually it gets to two weeks. So the assumption was, gee, if there's unlimited time, people are going to constantly be taking time off. And that wasn't the case. Because there's such a fulfillment in performing your job that you might take a month off in the year, but you're not going to take much more than that. But you also get recharged and come back much more efficient and productive. And by the way, Branson's not the only one that recommends this. Ariana Huffington and Stephen Jobs, those are two names that people would recognize, Huffington Post and obviously Apple. And they both have said that mindfulness gave them a competitive edge. So if Branson can do it and Huffington can do it and Jobs can do it, I think we can do it. <laughs> so that's why Branson recommends uh, mindfulness practice. Now, as it relates to decision-making, um, you know, here's the thing on that. Um, decision-making is kind of a, um, a constant uh, thing that we're doing in our minds, even subconsciously. Uh, it's been determined that we make over 70,000 subconscious decisions a day. So we're constantly making decisions. And the reason that I introduced mindfulness to my real estate teams and in my coaching repertoire is because being in touch with that connectivity of inner self 
really allows your decision to not only be better, but to be better for you. And it's been practiced uh, elsewhere. Um, NBA coach Phil Jackson, uh, NFL coach Pete Carroll, both of which are championship coaches, Phil Jackson with the Lakers and the Chicago Bulls, uh, Pete Carroll with USC and the Seattle Seahawks. They're both known as Zen coaches because they integrate this mindfulness practice in their coaching repertoire. And I've introduced it with my real estate teams because it helps them connect with one another. When I put teams together for projects, like for instance, right now I'm doing a thousand acre master plan community project where I've got landscape architect, engineer, architect, lenders, marketing. I mean, the list goes on and on of the different disciplines. They all have their own specialty, but they're a team for the project. And to bring them in this connectedness, we need to have that rapport between one another and mindfulness, an individual mindfulness practice is a way to do that. Another is that I always bring the team members together for monthly meetings where we kind of check our ego at the door and bounce off all kinds of ideas, not just their particular discipline, but they have to kind of participate in marketing decisions and engineering design and things of that nature. And then, of course, in my life coaching, it's a great tool to use with companies, with executives, and with individuals to really step back and look at the big picture. So more and more corporations are offering mindfulness training to their employees, and mindfulness techniques are becoming more included in leadership books and, and leadership training. So it's generally accepted that mindfulness helps decision makers reach conclusions, and there's growing evidence that the positive influence goes much further, impacting the way decisions are identified, implemented, and assessed. And that's where mindfulness as a decision-making tool comes in. Uh, Joachim Reb, spelled J-O-C-H-E-N, last name R-E-B. Joachim is a associate professor of organizational behavior at Singapore Management University. And he wrote an upcoming book called Mindfulness in Organizations, suggesting that that positive effect of mindfulness widely affects all those stages of decision-making. And there are four stages of decision-making to which I will make the connection of mindfulness to each of those stages. So the first stage in decision-making is that we frame the decision. We kind of clarify what it is that we're deciding upon. So we clarify the objectives, generating options, avoid irrational escalations of commitment to a previous bad decision. These are all things that we kind of look at to make different choices. And so mindfulness ties us to the authenticity of our decision. And that's stage one of decision-making. What are we deciding? Oftentimes we'll kind of fall in love with our own bullshit and then we start to believe it and then we don't step back from it and go, what if our assumptions are wrong? Or what if what we believe is not true? So that authenticity comes in when you integrate mindfulness. Number two the second stage of decision-making is gathering information. So once you decide what you're deciding, and we do all this instantaneously, it's not something that is, you know, linear and mapped out. But once we decide what we're deciding, we've got to start gathering information relevant to that to make the right choice. The two important aspects of mindfulness in this stage are quantity 
and quality. So quantity of information that you're gathering and the quality of information you're gathering. And when you're looking at something, when you're looking for a solution or you're making a decision, it's better to have a macro view than a micro view because you're going to see the forest through the trees, you see? And that 35,000 elevation viewpoint allows you to see things that you may not see if you're too close to it. So that's part of that mindfulness is that when you're gathering information, you're trying to gather relevant information qualitatively, in other words, relevant to the choice or the decision you're making, and the quantity of it. And, of course, in today's world, we have boku quantity of information. We could Google any subject and get, oh, gosh, millions and millions of hits on the answer to that subject or, or subject matter. So mindfulness allows us to kind of step back and look at it from a more wide view as we're gathering the information. Stage three is coming to a conclusion. When we choose a course of action, our good judgment requires both intuition and systematic analysis. Now, sometimes these differ, and that's where many decision makers get stuck. So um, when I say intuition, I'm meaning that there's a gut sense that we have already as to what would work for us or for the situation. And when we become mindful of what the analysis needs to include and to not bog it down with too many details, you know, simplifying it more, it helps us come to a better conclusion. And certainly the more simple conclusion. It may not be easy, but it will be simple. In fact, this is one of the best um, lessons learned uh, from Warren Buffett is that in all his investment analysis, he's looking for the simple answer. Not the easy answer, not the fast answer, but just the simple answer. And of course, he has a formula that he now applies to the investment decisions that has proven out over decades. But he's keeping it simple. And that's what mindfulness helps us do. Lastly, to learn from feedback. Um, the final stage of decision-making is to make the decision and then get feedback so, so that you can improve your decision-making in the long run. And oftentimes, we're all guilty of this. We make our decision and we kind of find it etched in stone and unchangeable. And when we get feedback, we defend. And that's not good. <laughs> What's best is to take the mindfulness stand to encourage heightened awareness by having lessons learned from another perspective, another person, another angle of looking at it, and just disengage from the ego, and that will aid us in making better decisions. It could aid us in overcoming perhaps the earlier mentioned irrational um, decision-making that is just because we're so in love with our, our decision that we that we kind of latch onto something that just doesn't even make sense. And so this feedback helps us kind of reach or maintain perspective. So that's why um, decision or mindfulness is 
assist in our decision-making. That's how it helps us each one of the stages of decision-making. And then, of course, lastly, um, you know, why Richard Branson recommends mindfulness for entrepreneurs. Because entrepreneurs are 24-7, 365. I mean, it's like it never ends. You sleep, eat, breathe, sleep, drink this stuff, and you can't stop. It's your, it's your everything. And so you've got to even be mindful to not have it overcome your life. You've got to be able to, as an entrepreneur or small business owner, maintain perspective, step back from things, and look at them with fresh eyes and mindfulness and a mindfulness practice helps us with that. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you uh, for that, Tom. You know, once again, I want to thank you for your time and your thoughts. Uh, before I let you go, though, uh, how about some action steps for all of us to take until your next podcast? Well, it'd be no surprise that it's give mindfulness and mindfulness meditation a try. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'll soon be releasing a free seven-day guided meditation audio series. So be looking for that here on my website. But in the meantime, there are many apps out there to simplify the meditation process for you. And I list these in a blog post uh, on meditation that uh, actually you wrote the guest post of. Um, God, what was the name of that, Aaron? Do you recall? Uh, well, go into, my, go, go into the website, into the search bar, and just write the word meditation, and it'll come up. But it was something along the lines of the benefits of, of the meditation practice or something of the sort. Um, but at least do what Andrew Wheel, Dr. Andrew Wheel, calls the 478 breathing meditation. And what that is, is it's breathing in through your nose for four seconds, holding your breath for seven seconds, and exhaling through your mouth for eight seconds. And all the while, all you're doing is observing your breathing, going in and out. Very short, sweet. You could do it for two minutes. You could do it for 10 minutes. The four, seven, eight breathing meditation. All right. I have to say that um, I did that yesterday. I was rapid transit on the way into the city of San Francisco and sat down and closed my eyes, did that, and had a very productive day with one of my clients yesterday. So very good. Thank you, Tom. And I want to remind everybody that uh, today's talk with Tom podcast is sponsored by Tom's newly released seven-day meditation audio series, which can be found at Tom's website, successseriesllc.com slash meditation.php. And this is a seven uh, series of a seven-day audio meditation that is personally guided by Tom Hart. And each day you will experience a 10-minute guided meditation easily downloadable from Tom's website at successseriesllc.com slash meditation.php. would also like to remind everyone that Talk With Tom is one of many free resources that Tom provides to help you grow your life and build your business. And many more free resources can be found on Tom's website, 
www.successseriesllc.com. I'd also uh, like to ask you, please rate this podcast on iTunes, which would help tremendously with the podcast being visible for other people. So if there are other people who have never heard it, they can discover it. And if you have already done that, thank you very much. We are very grateful for that. And Tom and his Success Series team appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And we look forward to you joining us right back here on the last Wednesday of every month with a new episode of Talk with Tom. And now, for both Tom Hart and myself, Aaron Wilker, have a successful month. Goodbye. Hi, folks. It's Tom. If you enjoyed this episode of Talk with Tom, I only ask that you pay it forward so that it might have an impact on someone else's life as well. Please forward it to your friends, family, and followers online. And if you're new to Talk with Tom, welcome. You have found the place where hundreds of super achievers come to learn the techniques, tips, and tricks to personal and professional development to become better every day. Every month, in just 30 minutes, I share topic after topic to grow your life and build your business. If you're not already subscribed, join us. Talk with Tom is 100% free. There are also special benefits that are sent out only to our subscribers. So be sure you subscribe yourself today on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And we look forward to seeing you right back here on the last Wednesday of every month with Talk with Tom.